Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 333 for January 30th, 2024. I am your host, Randy Snow. On this week's show, the Super Bowl 58 matchup is set. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is now the head coach of the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers. And fret not, Michigan fans, they have already hired his replacement, Sharon Moore. But I'm not here all by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. We are down to the final two teams in the NFL. I'm not happy about it. No. We'll talk about <laughs> it. I'm sure. I mean, I'm tired of talking about yeah. it, but this is the last time I have to, you know, yeah. go into that game that I'm tired of reliving already. Yeah. It was uh, The first half was fantastic. The second half was terrible. Yeah, we'll get into it. Oh, you want me to continue? Yeah. Uh, we come to you each week. I ain't week. got nothing this week. What okay. Are we, what are we doing? Uh, we come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with a glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, so you can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast. We also have timestamps down in the descriptions of both the podcast and the YouTube video, so you can go right to the topics that you really want to listen to. You can find our, uh, you can also find our podcast in its full audio form on our YouTube channel. Just search for the World of Football Kalamazoo or use the handle at the World of Football in the YouTube search bar. You'll also find other selected videos on our YouTube channel like Just Lying Around, a Detroit Lions podcast, where this week uh, Adam and Kyle talked about the NFC Championship game Ugh. between the Lions and the 49ers at nauseum. At nauseum. And uh, yeah, it was a nauseating experience. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, our NFL Picks video coming out uh, next week, actually. Not this week, but uh, next week for the Super Bowl 58 game. Yep. And uh, this month, we're also going to be featuring uh, some history lessons, which we haven't done in a while. Oh, you mean next month, technically. It's the uh, 30th today, so in February. Yes, our Black History Month uh, profiles in February. I've, uh, we've got four of them that we're working on, uh, profiles of different uh, African-American players. Yep, and he won't tell me which one to start with, so... I don't know. I don't know. Whatever one you want to start with. You're the, it's your, it's we your recorded stuff. them, but they're in no particular order. They, they can be in any order. It doesn't right. matter. Well, we'll see. <laughs> and then also, uh, thanks to everybody for 700 YouTube subscribers. We hit yes. that milestone yesterday. Yep. Uh, so big appreciation for all you out there who are listening and subscribe to the YouTube channel for telling your friends, for spreading the word. We've seen a lot. You know, we've had some nice... Uh, stuff said about us so we appreciate that uh quite a yeah, bit very nice yeah thank you thank you everyone thank all thanks to all 700 of you and uh if you know 300 friends uh see if you can get them to uh join and start listening to us all right so let's begin today's show with adam and we will start of course in the nfl that's right uh well as we know it was conference championship weekend in the nfl it was down to the final four teams and that started off on uh, three o'clock on Sunday. I kept thinking it was three thirty. That game started, so I missed the first half of the first <laughs> quarter. Uh, but you know, when I tuned in, it was the Chiefs seven, Ravens nothing, and uh, the Ravens made it a game for a little bit. But the Chiefs come out on top, seventeen to ten, to make it to yet another Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, but this time. 
they're taking along with them. Taylor Swift. Gosh. And uh, I don't know if you've heard this thing, but she's got a heck of a journey ahead of her if she's going to make it to the Super Bowl because she's got a the last night of her tour over in Japan. And she wouldn't get back to the States if everything worked out right till about Sunday morning of uh, the day of the Super Bowl. So, Well, you know, uh, the Air Force has got many supersonic planes. Uh, if they can get a, a supersonic uh, plane to put her in the back seat or in the cargo hold, uh, she could actually make it in time to be part of the flyover and then yeah. land and uh, go to her luxury box to watch the game. Look, I know it's a big story for people. People are tired of hearing about Taylor <laughs> Swift. Look, I don't care. It's it, it's whatever. I don't think they cut to her a lot during that AFC Championship oh, no. game. I think there's probably a betting line on how many times will they show sure. uh, Taylor Swift during the prop the Super bets Bowl. on the, the Super Bowl this year are going to be nuts, <laughs> including all the Taylor Swift stuff, including yeah. all the Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes commercials. Right, it's going to be off the charts. Uh, but look, it I have no problem with her being at the games. It's whatever. It doesn't affect me. Uh, I know my girlfriend's kid is all about it, mm. but uh, most nine-year-old girls are. Yeah, but <laughs> look, it's whatever. Uh, there's something about how Taylor Swift has brought in over three hundred million dollars of revenue right, or something yeah. for the NFL. Like, okay, I I don't know where they're getting all these numbers from, but whatever. But the game itself. Let's talk about the game itself. It didn't go quite how we thought it would. The Ravens were kind of the heavy favorite. I mean, well, they're favored by three points, but. Everybody was kind of thinking this was the Ravens' year. They had a very good offense, a very good defense. And then the Chiefs on the other side of it were looked at as inferior to the uh, past teams. You know, their defense wasn't as good. Patrick Mahomes had no receivers. Yet somehow, someway, the Chiefs, when doubted again on the road in the postseason, found a way to get the victory. What did you think? Well, I expected the Chiefs to win. I picked them to win. You did, uh, yep. Uh, you and your brother picked the Ravens. But I did. I, I gave the caveat that I always picked the wrong team in the AFC. <laughs> yeah. So I was right about right. that part. No, I just I just thought, you know, the, the way that the Chiefs went into Buffalo and won that game when everybody said they weren't going to win that game, that Buffalo was going to win. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. You never count out Patrick Mahomes. can't Ramon bet against them. Team. You know, they're, they're playing good football at just the right time. I expect them to uh, go into the Super Bowl and be just as uh, as good as they have been the last couple Experience weeks. Experience matters. Yes. Andy, Andy Reid, you know, taking yes. that team to six straight AFC Championship games. Patrick Mahomes, has pretty much ever since he became a full-time starter, has done nothing but go to the AFC Championship game. So yep. he's got the experience. Yep. It'll be weird the day he's not in an AFC Championship yep. game, let alone a Super Bowl. Do you know what the betting line is right now? Uh, I have no idea at the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure it's set at something, but I don't care right yeah. now. We can talk about that next week. But but I just I just think uh, uh, the Chiefs are the team to beat. Myself. Yeah, this is true. Um, the Ravens on the Ravens side, we did we were watching the game together, and mm-hmm. you you made a note that uh, the Ravens didn't look like they handed the ball off a whole lot during that no, game. It was that all- was. It was all passed. It wasn't until you mentioned that I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I think there was one handoff I remember watching. Yeah. The rest were either it went for no yards yeah, or one it, yard. It was either uh Lamar Jackson scrambling and getting right. running yards, or it was just throwing it all the time. So yeah. it was very weird to see. Uh and Lamar, you know, as great as he's been all season, he might end up being the league MVP this season. Through through some really weird passes, there was the one interception in the end zone, I believe, where it was like your receiver had three guys draped all over him. Why'd you throw that pass? Um, the wide receiver Zay Flowers, I want to say it was, I could be wrong, but he was the receiver that caught that pass and then, you know, got got him in great field position. 
but then decided to stand up, stand over the defender that he just caught the ball against. And then it wasn't really the standing over that got him the penalty, but he threw the ball down, you know, did that spin thing right. next to him. Right That's what got him the, the taunting penalty. penalty. Yep. And that was a breaker. That set him back 15 yards. It would have been at the 10-yard line. Yep. And it might not seem like a big deal. Like, oh, well, they'll still go down and punch it in. It, that ruined that drive, essentially. Yeah. I mean, they got knocked back. They made a couple of plays, but... That was a, a backbreaker right there. And then, you know, they fumbled. Was it that when they fumbled it into the end zone? I that think it drive? was, yes. So, Because yeah. I saw somebody Photoshop that football into a Lombardi trophy falling out of his <laughs> hands right before he got to the end zone. Uh, crushing. Uh, so, sorry, Ravens fans. Uh, I mean, every, I think America was kind of rooting for the Ravens just to not have to deal with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But, again, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and... Uh, how does Kelsey keep getting so open? I don't know. You know, <laughs> he, okay. I want to say during that whole game, he was really trying to egg on whatever defenders, like he was really getting chippy and he was really playing the psychological game on mm. top of his physical, like I'm going to be a dominant blocker, you know, cause he, he does great blocking. He's a great all around tight end, but he was definitely getting into the head of some of those defenders. Cause they were, Oh, you could watch some of the plays. You just saw him going at it with guys, guys going at it with him. And maybe that's the the difference between some of these teams. Like you might be more talent wise, but the Chiefs have a way of getting into your head, and that will be a factor. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, yeah. even before the game, it was Patrick Mahomes and uh, uh, Kelsey messing with Justin Tucker, the field right. goal kicker for I, the Ravens. I saw a bit of that, but I didn't catch it all. Yeah. I, I'd have to watch that again. But I guess they they like uh, they were like kick, throwing around the kicking kick, tee, kick the ball around. Well, they were like, yeah, they moved, they threw the kicking tee that he was about to use. What to, were they all doing on the same end? That's what I don't know. I haven't followed up on it. I just remember watching that, going like, I can't tell if the kicker is being a jerk for being down on that end of the field, or if Mahomes and Kelsey are being jerks and they're just like walking through, messing with him and trying hmm. to set up there. I don't know hmm. who's at fault there. I thought teams were supposed to stay on opposite sides of the yeah. field when warming up. Yeah. So. Who knows? Uh, but that's how you get into a team's head early, I guess. Hmm. All right, we done talking about the AFC Championship game? I think so. All There's right. Not much more to be said about that. All right, congratulations, Kansas City. You're going back to the Super Bowl. All right, then later that night in the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers defeated our beloved Detroit Lions 34-31, to uh, a game which is going to suck for Detroit fans for a while because – you had a 24-7 to lead going into halftime, yep. and you lost by three points. They looked like world beaters in the first that half. That first they... half, it was almost get your tickets now to go to yeah. Las Vegas and start putting money on your team to win because the Lions in that first half looked even better than the Chiefs uh, during that other game. I thought I, I did have a couple moments where I was like, oh, my God, if they keep playing like this, this is a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you know, we were riding high going into halftime. Then the second half happened, and it was just the weirdest uh, series of just blunders and just weird, yeah, like uh, not happenstance, but it's just like bizarre plays. Yep, the ball definitely bounced in San Francisco, literally way. and figuratively. Everybody wants to focus on the two uh, uh, fourth down calls that Dan Campbell made. Yes, maybe they should have gone for uh, field, field goals, goals yeah. in at least one of those situations. Maybe the the second one. There was the one where they were at like the twenty five or something. Yep, uh, but that that long pass that went off the our defender's face mask and the guy still caught it at the five yard line it was an incredible. Play. That was that was so bizarre. And uh, there was another one. Uh, oh, well, uh, the one handed catch. That that guy made. Uh, we were chasing uh, Brock Purdy down. Brock yep. Purdy around, and he was scrambling, and he turned back and threw it. You know, 
across his body, across, across the field. His body, across field, and the guy was one-handed it over yeah. the defender. Um, you know, those sort of things, that's that's not a normal thing to happen. And and some of our players dropped some sure passes. I mean, they were right in their hands. Guys who are just surefire yep. locked all season. Guys yep. who you're just like, you can depend on them. And, yep, Reynolds uh, dropped one or two, and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown dropped one. Uh, there And there were a few passes that... Uh, uh, um, our quarterback, Goff. Goff. God, I couldn't even remember his name. He, he was off a little bit, you know, uh, kind of threw it, it behind the guy pressure, or, pressure, or a little bit too there, high or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, some, a couple of his passes weren't perfect. And it was just all of those things. It, it and, was everything combined in that whole second half. And you half. can't forget, and you know, we don't want to be Pouty Lions fans, but it was also San Francisco who didn't, you know, psych themselves out of the game. They were down by 17 right. and said, we are going to... Figure yep. out a way to get back in this game. And they did everything they needed to they do. Just so credit kept coming after Detroit. Credit for San Francisco. We we kind of talked about going into that game that these two teams, or at least I did, that they were mirror images of each other. They had pretty much the exact same kind of weapons on offense and a lot of the same type of people on defense. Uh, maybe San Francisco had one or two more, but we figured Detroit could still hang with them. Detroit just didn't have some of the names San Fran got. Mm. Uh, and for the most part, I mean, Detroit showed you in that first half that they could go toe to toe and then some against right, that 49ers yeah. team. I mean, yep. four plays in Jamison Williams runs a 40 yard end around for a touchdown yep. to really kick that game open. The lions defense actually showed up and played very well in that first half. Yep. Sure. San Fran was able to move the ball. You have to expect that with some of the weapons they have, sure. but Detroit closed it out. Jake Moody missing the field goal was a big thing at the beginning of the game. That kind of helped set momentum in Detroit's favor. Uh, but I mean, you come out in the second half, your team's down by seventeen. You know that's mental, just staying in it. We've seen Detroit do that before. Detroit being down a couple of times, and they found a way to will themselves back into a game. Yep. And that's what San Francisco did. And look, the the like you said, did Dan Campbell make a mistake not going for the field goals? Maybe, but the field goals weren't sure things. Right. Uh, I think I talked about it on the other podcast. The uh, Lions were seventy five percent going for fourth and three all season long, two two for two during the postseason up to that point. Their field goal kicker, Michael Badgley, has a historic record of kicking from 40 yards or 48 yards or more, which is where those field goals kind of would have ended up. Uh, his career range is below, like, below 50%, maybe around 50%. And those aren't the odds you want. I think Dan Campbell, he was one, he did say that he wanted to be aggressive to get the momentum back, which the right. momentum's a real thing. You could right. feel it watching that game. Uh so I get it. And they were plays that if they would have made it, we wouldn't even be, what would we be talking about? Probably right. talking about the Lions in the Super Bowl just right. because they would have connected on a couple of fourth down plays. Yeah. Different game. Yeah. Um, so you can't blame Dan too much. It's you know easy to it's pile his style. on. It's his style. It's easy to pile on him on the, on the back end. I think a lot of it, and I talked about it with Kyle, a lot of it goes on to Ben Johnson. Some of his play calling. He has been notorious all season coming out in the third half, you know, third quarter. And not playing the same type of ball. Sure, you want to try to outsmart the other team, but sometimes just sticking with what was working till they can prove they stop you right. is the way to go. But he kind of goes the opposite direction. It's like, no, we're going to start throwing it instead of running it. Like he gets away from what works. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about Ben Johnson some more later on. But just look, you also got to, like, I don't want to give San Francisco, you know, no credit. They deserve a lot of credit. Brock Purdy looked decent. I'm not going to say he looked great. 
But he did a couple of plays where he was running like Lamar Jackson out there, and Detroit yeah. just couldn't stop him. Yeah, he, he's not known as a runner, but no. he, he ran successfully in he, that He's going to get flack for maybe not being the most accurate passer. He threw some great balls, and he's got a lot of good weapons around him, and that's sometimes all you need. I'm not going to say Jared Goff's the best quarterback in the world, but he's got enough weapons around him, and he's got the intelligence enough. And There's one play in particular where he checked out of a pass to that third and 12 run that the mm. Lions ended up getting. He checked into that. So... If you're smart between the ears, you don't have to put up Lamar Jackson numbers or uh, Patrick Mahomes numbers. You can just be efficient, and Brock Purdy's efficient. Give him credit, you know, second year in the league. I'm not going to dogpile on the kid. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the greatest quarterback ever, but he works for that team, and sometimes that's all that matters. Yeah, Uh, in in the first two playoff games that Detroit had, they never trailed in either of those games. And in this game, too, they didn't trail until the fourth quarter. Yeah. But it was enough to... To cause him to lose the game. Yeah. And, you know, if Dan Campbell's going to be that aggressive, you know, the guy's just got to make plays. Yeah. Uh, so it's not all on him. There's a lot of blame that can go around in a lot of different areas. But uh, the one thing that gives me hope, and I think it gives a lot of Lions fans hope, is uh, that this team has done nothing but improve right. under the ownership and right. the front office that they put in place since Sheila became the owner and Dan and Brad came along with Chris Spielman, you know, kind of in the front office. They have really, every year they've been able to improve on what they had. They see what they got, and then the next year they improve. And the Lions going into this offseason will have very few free agents, or at least free agents of, like, the starting variety. They might have a couple, but if they can bring in guys, they have a lot of good cap space. We'll see if they redo Goff's deal, because he's going to be going into the last year of a deal. Right. Uh, And we'll see if they start getting some contracts for some of these younger guys, like an Amon Ra or a Penny Sewell, lock them down for years to come. Mm-hmm. Spread that money around, you know, because Brad Holmes, I think, has been pretty good about where he spends his money, free agent-wise, and for keeping guys. So uh, that'll tell a lot during this offseason, too. And the offense and defensive coordinator search, which we will talk about. Yeah, didn't you say that the Lions had $66 million in cap space? I believe so. Of, of the four, I saw a stat on Twitter. Of the four teams left, the Lions had like $60 million, And the other teams, I want to say, were below twelve. It was like twelve, five, and like one million in cap space going into the offseason. Well, you know, I, I, I am happy to see uh, Brett. We'll talk about Jer- it. Jared Goff oh, come yeah. back. I mean, I, I have no problem. I, I think he's the right he quarterback at this time for Detroit. He, and while he had like, the, I think after that Dallas game, he threw those couple of bad interceptions. Then he led the drive to kind of come back. I think after that point. He has looked pretty efficient. He still throws one or two balls a game that you kind of go, yikes, that could have been picked off. But for the most part, he's been efficient. He's been very smart, you know, I think very smart where he throws the ball most of the time. So I'm cool with keeping him around. But unless Brad Holmes' plan is to move off of him this offseason for a younger quarterback, which we don't know. I'm not saying that that's the plan. I don't know. But I do. By, I put my trust in Brad Holmes to uh, go into the draft. What'd you say? We have four picks. We have in four first, picks in the first three rounds. three rounds. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, we could we could do some trading around or whatever. But I just know that he's going to find the right guys uh, to help this team. Uh, cornerbacks, defensive linemen. Yeah, and that's mostly they're... all on the defensive side of the ball is where we need the help right now. So, linemen, pass rushers, linebackers, safeties, you name it, he'll find them. Yeah, here's hoping, but. So that sets up, you know, which should be the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl, but they didn't win. I get it. The 49ers beat the Lions. Congratulations to the 49ers. What a, what a good team they are. Yeah. So that sets up the Kansas City Chiefs playing the San Francisco 49ers in a rematch. Oh, what Super Bowl was it that this is a rematch? It's like, it's like four years ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, four I, years I ago. The last time the elections happened. So mm, yeah. I saw a thing that said 
Uh, it was Trump versus Biden, Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl same year. So it's all over again. <laughs> it's repeating. But we'll see. Um, so that game will be on February 11th. So we had to deal with the Pro Bowl games this week. Yeah, yeah, Did I you see the Chiefs? Uh, post? They, they, the Chiefs are going to wear their red uniforms. I saw the headline. I didn't read the article. Did you see the at least a picture of what Patrick Mahomes' jersey looks like? No. It is patchwork nightmare because, you know, the, the Chiefs already have the AFL patch. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm sorry for you uh, guys out there listening because uh, I'm doing visuals with my hands for Randy. <laughs> There's a patch on the left for the AFL. Right. And then the captain's patch is getting moved okay. up there. They already have the, the Mrs. Hunt patch oh yeah her initials yep and then the super bowl patch super bowl. so they got four patches they have four patches of, the of their captain at least so like patrick mahomes they showed his it's got four patches wow. it just looks like a mess wow um uh, i was curious like if the lions were gonna because the lions had the 90th anniversary patch this season right. i was wondering how that was gonna work because i was like yikes uh, you're gonna have to wear the super bowl patch yeah. and if you have a captain's patch like how's that gonna look and i'm gonna tell you right now patrick mahomes's jersey looks too busy <laughs> And uh, one last thing about Detroit, they get the 29th pick oh. in this year's uh, draft, which means the Ravens get the 30th, and that's yeah, and that's probably the latest they have picked in any is. draft. I think you and I determined that since was. Uh, since '92 or before that even, yeah, you know, because it's one of their best seasons ever, and uh, you know they've played farther into the month of January than they've ever done before, um, getting the the lowest lowest draft pick uh, that they've ever had before, so. Those are the things that go along with with winning. Is you get a low draft pick. Yeah. But uh, I I think Brad Holmes knows what he's doing, and he'll will, he will uh, he'll make it work. Yeah. So all right, we're sorry to bore everybody with our Lions talk, <laughs> uh, but again, congratulations to the Chiefs. Congratulations to the 49ers. You guys deserve it. You guys definitely played your butts off, and I will not take that away from them. I mean, as much as I will say, the Lions should have take, taken it. Yep. I think a lot of people thought the same thing. You played such a great game. half. They just let it slip through their fingers. Yep. Uh, but San Francisco did what they had to do, and I'm never going to take that away from them. Like they, they deserve it in the end. I think Detroit should be there, but congratulations, <laughs> San Fran. All right, um, let's move on to some NFL news. Uh, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is now your new co- uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. That was rumored for a long time. Yeah. I didn't know if, if that was true. I didn't know how much validity there was to it. Uh, you know, he, he went back uh, after the national championship game back to uh, Ann Arbor, you know, for the parade and all the awards and the speeches and everything. And as soon as all that was, was done, he was back out in California with his agent yeah. talking to the Chargers, and it's a done deal now. I mean, we figured this was going to happen. He's going to find an NFL head coaching gig. Um, I think it stings for Michigan fans. We'll talk about their replacement in a little bit. But uh, for Harbaugh, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, he played quarterback at Michigan. Became the head right. coach of Michigan. Right. He played quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. Now he's going back to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. So that was an interesting. I think it's kind of cool that he, you know, he's taking going to teams that he played for and trying to help them get better. So uh, we'll see how this works out. I, I think the Chargers have just hired a GM, uh, or they were still in the process of getting a GM. Yeah, I did see today that the Michigan strength and conditioning coach is going to the That's Chargers. That's not a general manager. I know. I'm just saying. I That's what I saw. I didn't see anything about a general I, manager. It might have been the other day. I don't have that in front of me. but uh, So we'll see how that works out. I mean, he's a, he's got a good quarterback over there in Justin Herbert. they got a lot of pieces there at Los Angeles. They just right. have never really been able to put everything together. And 
you know, remember when Harbaugh went over to the uh, San Francisco 49ers back, you know, way back when his first season there out of college, he brought in a lot of talent and they went to the Super Bowl year one. Uh, so we'll see what he does. I think it is a big advantage for him having just been in college and looked at a lot of the college guys. Yeah. I think that'll be an advantage going into the draft for the Chargers. So we'll have to keep an eye out for how they draft. Um, we'll see if any Michigan men yeah, end how, up on how many Michigan. I don't think you'll players. see JJ McCarthy drafted over there <laughs> no, with Justin but Herbert there. But I don't know about uh, uh, Karen, the, the running back. Oh, uh, oh yeah. The, a few other guys. Yeah. Um, it's not Karen. What's his name? Uh, Dang it, you're making me forget his name. But I know what you're talking about, the yeah. running back. Yeah, the, the Blake Corum. Corum, Corum. Yeah, we'll see where he goes. He'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, but So we'll see. The The Chargers, I think, with Harbaugh now as their coach, I'm gonna. Ha- my early prediction for 2024 is the Chargers will at least be a playoff team mm-hmm. under Jim Harbaugh. We'll see. So, yep. We shall see. All right, and the uh, Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Moore, who's only 47 years old, is hired as the Atlanta Falcons' new head coach. He was with the Rams for three seasons and uh, was part of their Super Bowl win a few years ago. He was also the interim head coach in Atlanta several years ago. So, uh, yeah, very interesting that they went that route. The rumor was, you know, the Falcons were uh, circling in on Bill Belichick, but a lot of speculation is maybe they didn't want to invest in a Bill Belichick that's only going to be around for two or three years to yeah. get his record and leave. Yeah. You know, he's only there for 15 wins and then he, you know, maybe yeah, does, that, does he bounce after that? I, so I think that scared, uh, the Falcons into going back to Raheem Morris, a guy who again was their interim head coach there for a little bit. Hmm. Uh, now he becomes the full-time head coach there. So good for him. He's a good defensive coordinator. I, I've always respected a lot of the defenses he's coached, especially with the Rams the last few years, they've had pretty decent defenses over there. Hmm. So, uh, good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, and another head coach being hired, the Carolina Panthers hired former Buccaneers offensive coordinator uh, Dave Canales, who's 42 years old, as their new head coach. Um, before he joined the uh, Buccaneers, I think he was only with the Bucks just last year was his first year there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, he spent uh, 13 years with Seattle. Um, and I think he came from USC along with uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. From what I read. So congratulations to him. Um, you know, hopefully he and Baker Mayfield, or not Baker Mayfield, uh, who's who's the Bryce Young? Bryce Young, yes. Hopefully he can uh, work with him and. I mean, look what he did. He, I think he helped Baker out. I mean, Baker yeah. already was, I thought, a decent quarterback, but, but Baker really, you know, made some strides this year. And who knows how much credit goes to the coordinator here, now the head coach Canales. Uh, yeah. So, very interesting because I wasn't sure. Where the Panthers were going to go head coach-wise, there's a guy we'll talk about in a second that I thought they were definitely <laughs> aiming for, but was definitely surprised by that hire. So that means the out of the, I think it was a total of eight different teams that had head coaching yeah, vacancies. It was a quarter six, of the league. Have, six have been filled now, and so only uh, the Washington Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks still have openings. Uh, but one guy that won't be going to either of those teams is Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Uh, he's informed both of those teams today that he is staying with Detroit. Yeah, I guess Washington had personnel in Detroit to interview, and mm. that story came out like a little bit before we hit uh, record. Uh, I was at work and saw that, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was definitely prepared to move on from Ben Johnson. Yeah, uh, I know you were. But, I mean, if he can correct some of his third-quarter play calling, yeah. you know, try to run it back. I mean, 
it, a lot of it worked. You just got to fix what wasn't working. So we'll see. Um, they just need to, you know, once they once they put their foot on the gas, they don't let up until the clock's all zeros yeah. in the fourth quarter. So so we'll see. And I because I, uh, I was exchanging texts with a Washington Washington Commanders buddy of mine who. Last week or the week before, we're saying, hey, thanks for Ben Johnson. We're really excited. <laughs> and I texted him today and sent that picture of breaking news. And he's like, well, we didn't want him anyway. <laughs> uh, I, can, I have to read his text verbatim because that was, uh, was a pretty good response he sent me. He goes, uh, we didn't want him anyway. Dude run runs instead of kicking field goals. Very smart. <laughs> then at halftime, he had all backs and receivers put their hands in a bucket of oil. And I was like, yeah, okay, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't happen that way. It's definitely not. But, I mean, look, I think a lot of Detroit is pleasantly surprised that Ben Johnson come yeah. back. This is the second offseason in a row now where he flirted with head coaching right? and came back. And, look, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't think he's head coach material. Yeah. I mean, I he doesn't really show a whole lot of personality. I'm not saying that's what makes a good head coach or not. But when you see a lot of these coaching candidates, you see guys who are a little more at the front of a program. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't have a good vibe about Ben Johnson leading a whole team, leading a, a, a unit like right. the offense. Right, it was one thing, but as a head coach, I just, I've been very skeptical about that for the last two years, especially. So it's not a knock on him. Maybe he still needs a little more experience. Maybe he does want to run it back with Detroit again because he feels like they were that close to a Super Bowl and he thinks unfinished business they can do it. So we'll see. And then Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, still interviewing for jobs. We'll see if he comes back or not with Detroit or if he gets one of these final two jobs. Uh, I mean, if Washington went all the way to Detroit, they're at least saying we're leaving with one of these guys. <laughs> so if Ben Johnson's staying, then maybe we'll be finding out that uh, Aaron Glenn's going to Washington here in a matter of minutes. So no breaking news yet. Okay. All right. Uh, let's take a look a look now at what's going on in the world of college football. Uh, I had the story last week. I forgot to include it. But over in Japan, they played a game called the Dream Bowl last weekend, and uh, it's a it's a all star game between a bunch of Ivy League all stars here from the United States against a bunch of Japanese all stars, and uh, Japan finally won this Dream Bowl game for the first time ever by the score of ten to five, which is a weird score, but uh, Japan was 0-10 since this series began back in 18, uh, 1989. Wow, that's my lifetime. Yeah, so uh, they played 10 games, and finally, you know, after nine straight losses, uh, the Japanese All-Star team finally beat uh, the Ivy League All-Stars. So congratulations to the Japanese All-Star team out there. Um, yeah, I I, I was I had to look back at last week's... Uh, uh, script because I thought I, I'd already covered this, and when I realized, oh wow, I didn't put it in last week, and yeah. I, I totally meant to, because um, I was talking to uh, Greg James, our man in Japan, about this, and and he confirmed it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just I guess I just forgot last week. I need to know how this game came about. You, this might be a history lesson in the making, there, Randy. Oh, well, why is the Ivy League going over to Japan for this? I'm very curious. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, we'll look into it. All right, uh, the University of Michigan has hired offensive their own offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, who's 37 years old, as their new head coach. Uh, he went 4-0 as the school's interim head coach this past season. He becomes the 21st head, head coach in school history and the first African-American head coach at the school. 
He signs a five-year, $35 million contract, so that's about $6 million a year. Not a bad gig. No. I mean, the University of Michigan's got resources. He's already led the team. And right, he's been with the team. Several big profile. Penn State, you know, yeah. ranked game. Then he had to play, I think it was Maryland. Then you got Ohio State, you know, right. where Ohio State would, at that time was the number one team in the country, and Michigan went in and beat them. Uh, well, it was in Michigan. But, you know, you got that big win with a Jim Harbaugh not there. But you have to give credit to Harbaugh for building up that program. Yes. And let's, I mean, it kind of helps Sharon more like, all right, cool. Everything's already in place. Everybody knows their job. Knows, I just have to go. He knows the know, players. Yeah. He knows the system. Yep. You know, he's, so now he's right there. I'm hoping what the University of Michigan did while Mr. Harbaugh was out flirting with the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> and they were probably secretly going, all right, Sharon, we're going to probably make you the head coach once Jim makes it official. I hope they went around and got all those assistant coaches contracts and said, you guys are staying. Jim can't take none of you. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they didn't get to the strength and conditioning guy like you were talking about. <laughs> but, you know, like, because I think uh, Michigan's success will probably hinge on them keeping a lot of those guys and, you know, letting Sharon Moore kind of, you know, remain comfortable with the guys he's got there. And then maybe in the future, he'll build what he thinks he needs to add. But I think Michigan's built that core foundation there that where, you know, not much has got to be done or changed. They're in a good spot. Uh, but we'll see. Or maybe he'll he'll change a bunch of things. I don't know. Maybe he'll have a different philosophy than Jim Harbaugh. Maybe he'll have exactly the same uh, philosophy as Jim Harbaugh. Mm. Uh, so you know, hard to say. Uh, it'll be very interesting to watch. They're gonna have a very tough schedule this year. They play Washington again. Mm, yeah, I think they go right. to Washington for that game. They yep. play the University of Texas. They're coming up. The Longhorns oh are coming to the Big House. Hmm. Then you add USC to the schedule. Uh, your Ohio State game, your Penn State game, you know, all that jazz. It's going to be a very tough Michigan schedule this year. And this is the year that they go to a 12 team yes. playoff system, yes. also. So that's going to, you know, that's going to be a lot more games to be played. Uh, I mean, hopefully that gives system. them an opportunity to, you know, where they don't have to be the number one team in the country. They can kind of work through what, their way through the, the season. They're going to probably lose a few more games than they're used to. It's That's a brutal schedule. And but you at least get into a 12 team playoff, everybody's got a shot at that yeah. point. And uh, like any other Michigan coach, he will be judged on whether he can beat Ohio State Oof. on a consistent basis. Which he already did. I mean, he's one to know. True, and maybe that's that was probably the uh, the tipping point, saying, that's "Okay, he he beat uh, Ohio State." The athletic he's, director's he's looking, our guy. looking at Sharon Moore's uh, uh, resume, going, "Huh, it says here you uh, defeated Ohio <laughs> State for us. You're hired. You're hired." <laughs> All right, and uh, the last bit of college news we got this week. It's been kind of a slow week, uh, other than you know all the yeah, NFL stuff. Yeah, very slow week. Uh, the University of Tennessee is hit with some NCAA violations for the second time, I guess. Yeah, for name and likeness. Uh, so they violated something there. We just heard this just before we hit like, record. Just before we hit record, I'm like, I have the article open from ESPN's. Uh, oops, as I lose the article right there, uh, the stinking ESPN app. All right, uh, in an article by, oh man, this this app is so touchy, uh, by Pete Thamel of ESPN. Uh, essentially, I'll just read the first couple paragraphs sure. here. The University of Tennessee is under NCAA investigation uh, for violating uh, related for violations related to name, image, and likeness. Sources confirmed to ESPN on Tuesday. The, the investigation puts the volunteers in the crosshairs for potential sanctions as a repeat violator. Hmm. Tennessee is fresh off of an NCAA ruling in the summer of 2023 in which it was charged with 18 
level one violations and find a record $8 million. Wow. Uh, the scope and breadth of the current allegations, according to sources, include the potential for the enforcement staff to charge uh, multiple level one and level two violations. The case revolves around activity related to the Spire Collective, which is Tennessee's primary NIL collective, sources told ESPN. Uh, this case is fundamentally tied to football, but Spire Collective sponsors athletes in other sports for the school. Um, so, yeah, well, that's that's interesting. I mean, we we knew this name, image and likeness stuff I, would be I, very touchy, but I vaguely remember them being. Uh, Caught with some violations previously. I, yeah, I, I, I vaguely recall it. Maybe we yeah. touched on it over the summer, but yeah. uh, I mean, I thought this name, image, and likeness would alleviate a lot of issues. Clearly, there's still some stuff to be worked oh, sure. around, and I mean, this this is a very lengthy article, so I'm just like barely scratching the surface here. Right. Uh, if you want to get more in depth with it, I mean, feel free to go check that out. I'm sure maybe more more will come from this. Oh yeah. Uh, now that this news is broke, so they'll have it all on Sports Center and all the other sports yeah. stations and shows, whatever. I mean, cause don't get me wrong, I like the idea of name, image, and likeness. I think players should be able to profit off of that, you know. But if the NCAA's got to, you know, get their paws in it, they're going to have their own, yeah. you know, uh, ways you got to go about doing certain things. So I don't know. Yeah, they've always got to have their hands in everything. All right, let's move on to some birthdays uh, today for January 30th. Halfback Chalmers Bump Elliott, born on this date in 1925, and he passed away in 2019 at the age of 94. He played college football at Purdue between 43 and 44, and at Michigan from 46 to 47. He was the Big Ten MVP in 1947. Uh, he was also the Michigan head coach for 10 seasons from 1959 to 1968. And he went on to be the athletic director at the University of Iowa. Uh, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1989. And then uh, the other one today is defensive back Nolan Cromwell, turned 69 years old today, played his college football at Kansas, and was a second-round pick in the 1977 NFL Draft by the Los Angeles Rams. He played 11 NFL seasons, all of them with the Rams, from 1977 to 1987. Uh, he was voted the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year in 1980. And then we do have a couple of obituaries today. This is where we take a moment and honor those who've made the world of football a better place. The first one is that of Bob Lancey, a guard and center in the NFL for only two seasons, has passed away at the age of 59. Lancey played college football at Wisconsin and was selected in the sixth round of the 1986 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. He played for the Eagles in 1986 and 1987. He went on to be the head coach uh, in the Arena Football League for the Milwaukee Iron in uh, 2010, the Milwaukee Mustangs in 2011 and 2012, and for two games with the Jacksonville Char Sharks in 2016. All right, our final obituary this week is that of Bruce Coverington, a guard and tackle in the Canadian Football League for five seasons, has passed away at the age of 57. Coverington uh, played college football at Weber State and was selected with the first overall pick in the 1992 CFL draft by the Calgary Stampeders. He played the, his entire career with Calgary from 1992 to 1996 and won a great cup title with the team in 1992. 
Now, I've always wondered, is that Weber State or Weber State? I've heard it both ways. I'm not it sure. It might be Weber State, W-E-B-E-R. I think Weber, Weber would be with two Bs. Maybe. I've always, I've always pronounced it Weber State in my head. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's Weber State. Maybe it's Weber State. I could be wrong. Weber, Weber, potato, potato. <laughs> All right. And finally today, uh, our upcoming events calendar. This Thursday, February 1st, is the East-West Shrine Game, Shrine Game in Frisco, Texas. Weird to have that game on a... Thursday. Yeah, very weird. Um, and then Sunday, February 4th, the Pro Bowl games in Orlando. Nobody's going to be watching that. Uh, let's see. Sunday, February 11th, Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, uh, 49ers and uh, Ravens. Uh, Thursday, February 29th through Sunday, March 3rd, the NFL Scouting Combine in M- Indianapolis. It's that time already. The Underwear Olympics. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, March 16th, the Indoor Football League season begins. Saturday, March 30th, the UFL season begins with a game between the Birmingham Stallions and the Arlington Renegades. And don't worry, for people listening to the podcast, we're going to talk quite a bit about the UFL, I'm sure. I know news has kind of been slow, but once things get rolling, we'll definitely be talking a lot of UFL football. Right. And IFL. And, and IFL and arena football. Leagues. Yeah, We normally have a ton of scores from all the indoor leagues uh, this time of year. Well, people don't want just scores, Randy. They want news. They want everything <laughs> about these leagues. We have to deliver it to the people. All 700 of them subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hmm. I mean, we're definitely, I mean, we're going to be at a UFL game at some point. We're going to be at an arena game this season at some point. Yeah. Uh, I'd even be down to check out an IFL game, but I don't know how close they are yeah, to they're us. Not, they're not a lot of them close to, to us, but uh, definitely. I mean, Green Bay. Well. Yeah, that's true. Quad City? We, we've been there before. We've been, we've been to before. Quad City before for arena true. football, yep. but now that they're in the IFL. I mean, we could make it work if our schedule's it. worked out, we but we're it. primarily looking hey, at CFL. My schedule's wide open. You're the yeah, one that's yeah, got yeah. a job you got to hey, work at. Look, we're, we're talking about a <laughs> CFL game at least, yeah. UFL game at least, and arena at least. Yes. So we're at least going to experience those in person this yeah. year. All right, uh, continuing with the events calendar, April 25th through the 27th, the NFL draft in Detroit. We may check out the last day of that, that Saturday. Uh, we'll see. That'll be another one where it's like, <laughs> man, we got to see our schedule, depending my on, schedule. Depending on weather and, uh, you know, uh, what's going on at that yeah. time. Uh, and then finally, uh, December 27th, the 33rd Arena Football League season kicks off. Um, and we were going to go to a game in Nashville that day, but but uh, we were also going to go to the NFL draft, so... Man, decisions, decisions. I mean, I don't know. I'm down with either or. Looks like we're kind of already narrowing down a, a game to go to in the Arena League season. Yeah. So, well, you know, we've we've never been to an NFL draft. I've never been. Yeah. So it, it would it would be nice to say how often is it going to be in your backyard? Yeah, so. it may not ever come to Detroit again. So we probably should take that in at least for a few hours on on the Saturday. And I'm sure the closer we get, the more we can probably. S- Figure out, like, okay, let's go about it this way. Or maybe we could go to the, the Thursday night, see the overall picks. Or we'll just go Saturday and check out the fifth round, guys. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, we'll work it out as it gets closer. All right, anything else uh, come across oh, your phone? Before I have we... not seen any more breaking news, at least on an NFL level. Um, so we should be all set. All right, let's wrap this up. That's all the time we have for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we have done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles, videos, and more. 
Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also follow The World of Football on Facebook, X, and Instagram, where the address for all three of those is TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. So you can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast to hear us on whatever Alexa devices you may have. You can also find the full audio version of this show on... uh, I lost my place. (laughs) On YouTube. Search YouTube for the World of Football Kalamazoo or use the handle at the World of Football in the YouTube search bar. So please spread the word. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us a like. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And please come be a part of the football conversation. I mean, we hit 700. Mm -hmm. I think we're sitting at 702 last I looked. Uh, You know, we always try to interact with commenters, you know, as long as they're appropriate comments and as long as, you know, we try not to get political. We don't try right. to, right. you know, uh, get any, you know. No Swifties. Yeah, well, hold on. Let's, <laughs> who's the man with the Swifty uh, sweater from Christmas? I am giving that to my sister. I see it sitting over there. Yeah, no. <laughs> my sister wants it really bad, so I'm like, you can have I mean, it. You got to at least wear it for the Super Bowl. Come on now. No, I don't think so. I'll, I should get it to her before the Super Bowl. That oh, way she can wear it. There you go. that. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than the two of us. Maybe Taylor Swift does. I don't think so. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. She's there in a lot of Chiefs games. (laughs) Until next time, when we'll try and do a better job. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm Randy Snow. And I'm a Swifty in training. God. We'll see you all next week.